listening to the Queensland Theatre Quality Time Podcast. Let me set the scene. Trent Dalton's Boy Swallows Universe is the blockbuster Brisbane story with a heart of gold. Not only has Eli Bell's tale of love, hope and resilience resonated with countless readers, it's also inspired the creative team to work tirelessly to open such an ambitious production during a global pandemic. Today, Lee Lewis is joined by director Sam Strong and cast members Michaela Barnas and Tom Yaxley to hear all about their journey getting this beloved story onto the stage. Enjoy. Welcome back, everybody, to another fabulous episode of the Queensland Theatre Quality Time podcast series. Right now at Queensland Theatre, we have Boy Swallows Universe on stage, and it's been a long, long journey to get to this point. It opened on on Friday night. It's beginning of a, what we hope will be a long season, happened on Friday night, and there was a lot of joy in the room. That was one of those moments where everybody took a deep breath and went, we're here finally. And it was joyous. It was a great night. And a few days later, we have the very exhausted <laughs> but exhilarated <laughs> members of the team with, with me. Sitting with me is, is director Sam Strong. There's Ma- Michaela Bannis and Tom Yaxley, two of the actors in the play. Michaela plays Frankie and Tom is playing August. And I'm going to start the conversation just by saying when we had the, not that long ago, just over a week ago, we had the subscriber briefing mm-hmm. before you'd done any tech. And yeah. <laughs> I watched 21 people come out on stage, mm. the, the people that are making the team that is making the play come out on stage. It was an impressive row of 21 <laughs> of you. But I watched the audience go, as you, Michaela, introduced yourself and you, Tom, I think you were the p- first actor yeah, to I'll introduce start, yourself. Yeah. And the audience just went, oh, because finally there was an August live in 3D as yeah. opposed to the August of their imagination. <laughs> yeah. So, Sam, I'm going to start with you the question, like you were the first person to have to imagine this play into a 3D reality. How did you start thinking about the characters? How do you do that as a director? Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, obviously the key challenge with adapting the work into the theatre is to, I mean, it's, it's so obvious as to go without saying, but to kind of make it theatrical. Uh, and the kind of starting point for that is what's already uh, theatrical in the novel. I mean, you know, it's, it's dialogue, et cetera. But um, it's interesting when it, when it came time to kind of attaching particular people to those roles, I mean, in a way that was both a, um, a very easy process and a very long process. It was a very easy process because pretty much everyone who we wanted to do it was able to do it. Uh, and I sort of knew pretty pretty quickly who I was interested in for all, all of the roles. But it was a long process because, of course, it was interrupted by hmm. COVID the first time around. So I think, you know, there are, there are some people who literally have been cast for a number of years and then there were some roles that we were still waiting to cast that dropped in slightly slightly later. So, yeah, it was, it was this really interesting exercise of putting together a jigsaw as any casting process is, but but putting together that over quite an extended time. So, you know, leaving the jigsaw for a while, coming back to the jigsaw and then knowing that it's changed or altered in the time. But I think it's, it, um, yeah, for me, I wasn't too necessarily worried about similarities to the book or anything literal like that. I was more in, involved in kind of getting really beautiful actors that I wanted to work with and, and, and specifically to put together a kind of a great ensemble who could help tell the story. Yeah. And it is an enormous ensemble Play. You've got so how many actors have you got in it it's now? Thirteen. 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 I don't. We haven't done the number of. I don't know how many roles everyone is. We should. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, there are only three of you in the play who play just one role. Is right. that right? Yeah. Everyone else. Yeah. Says something. So like, Joe, who plays Eli, just plays Eli. I play Frankie. I just play Frankie, mm. and Tom just plays August. But everyone doubles up, triples up, and it's up yeah. to thirteen, isn't it? Up. One of the cast members has thirteen roles. Sixteen. Sixteen roles. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of costume changing, a lot of transformation, <laughs> a lot of okay, how am I going to differentiate this character? Mm. So what's it been like? I suppose I'm going to put it to the two of you. What's it been like to be in something that is such a big ensemble with so many things, a world swirling around you, and you are. Mm character anchor points, I suppose. It's beautiful. It, I think it's one of the most rewarding parts of it is it's like a, a family on stage. 
both in a literal sense with Frankie and August and Eli and Robert and Lyle, even the way that everyone just kind of energy-wise works together and everyone's there to support the story. They're all serving the greater purpose of the play and the message that's in the play or the messages that are in the play. I think that's probably the most bonding aspect of it, I there's, find. There's always the potential with 13 people for it not to gel. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, could like, be the fact, and, and the <laughs> fact that we just... There was something magical happened really early on and we just kind of, I think we all came to it with this immense amount of respect and love and we were all very invested very early on and we could see that in each other and that brought us all together. You all had to get through a lot of obstacles to get to this play. I mean, Mm. Sam, the obstacles for you have been (laughs) so huge. (laughs) A lot of obstacles structurally thrown at you before you could gather your people. And then, Michaela, I remember being in a conversation (laughs) with someone down in Melbourne saying, can Michaela come stay at your house tonight so we can get her out of Avalon at six o'clock tomorrow morning, (laughs) fly you out because the border was closing. And and I I think I did say out loud in the room, we could charter a jet. They're not that expensive. (laughs) Which I would have been totally (laughs) down for. So everybody had personal obstacles to get through. I mean, uh, Tom, you were one of the early cast members. Yeah. And so you knew you were like this was locked in in your brain in the calendar. And it was months of just what? watching, you know, news and going through lockdowns and everything and just being like, oh, you know, is this, are we going to get there? Are we going to get there? But in some, on some level, I think you have to, you have to just keep hoping and keep believing. And I think that's, that's kind of part of the play as well, is that you just, I always knew it was going to happen. Some, one way or another, I always knew we were going to yeah. get to that moment on Friday. It's more than I knew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so. but maybe that's what I saw in that, in that first day of rehearsal, even though a couple of you were, on Zoom, because they were, Zoom, yeah. they were yeah. in quarantine mm. and a couple of designers in quarantine, yeah. is still a feeling of finally we're actually here, we're going to get to do this. Oh, yeah. I think that's a huge part of the spirit that Michaela's talking about, where I think there was just an enormous amount of gratitude that despite all the obstacles that we we're actually, mm. and even notwithstanding the story, which we all loved, and um, yeah. but, but that we we're actually in a room making something mm. uh, at a time when kind of so many of our colleagues and peers can't do that. There was just this sort of... You were very aware of the privilege and of the sort of preciousness of the gift um, mm. of getting to be in a room to make anything, let alone um, a work that we all are incredibly passionate about and invested in, and a work that the the spirit of its creator in Trent kind of infused mm-hmm. its way into the room as well, which I think is another thing behind that um, that kind of quality of the room and ensemble that Michaela was talking about. And then some little wins, like weirdly, borders closed, so you got. Tim McGarry in the room with you for the whole time. Yes. Yeah, which, is, yeah, which, which never is happens. fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> Again, and that could have gone one way or another. Yeah. Having the writer in the room for that period can, can sometimes yeah. not be a great thing, no offence to writers, but sometimes... Well, sometimes they shouldn't see yeah, the message. Yeah, sometimes you need to, you need to kick them out Tim sometimes, but it was, yeah, it was wonderful having Tim there. Oh, he's well, he's such a maker a, himself too. He's a maker, yeah. but he's so generous and so interested and he has that beautiful balance of knowing when to step back and when to to come in and and gave us this kind of such permission to which is so generous and and can be quite rare in a room sometimes so for him to be in the space and to be as generous and permissive as he was was just it was a gift, you know. Yeah. So silver linings, you know, yeah. there were many Look, silver linings. It was also fascinating for me to watch how disrupted process was because, of mm. course, Sam, you're missing two actors from the first couple of weeks. They're yeah. on Zoom. So lovely that they were, could be on Zoom. Thank you, technology. Yeah. But then you lost a week of rehearsal, so everyone went on to Zoom. But you also got everybody up on the actual working set on, like, day two, right? Yeah, yeah there was that interesting thing where there were there were those kind of wins and losses, if you like. And then, yeah, as you said, there were some some parts of the process that were kind of, on one level, quite massively disruptive from what we're used to. But I think that's been the kind of, in a way, the 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 macro win of COVID is that everyone, myself particularly included, <laughs> needs to kind of relax about making work in the way that we're used to. And you need to you know, find alternative ways to do it and make the best of what you got. And as you're saying, there are other parts of the process that were incredibly luxurious or privileged and, and specifically working on the set. Uh, because, again, because it had been built and sat in a workshop for six months. Because we had we couldn't afford the storage for the set because it's so big. The cheapest thing we could do was leave it up and assembled in the workshop. 
And essentially the whole of the rest of the season was built around not having to build anything else in the workshop. So apologies to subscribers who've since seen no sets as a result. So we wrapped everything around that so we could leave it up and save the cost there. But it meant that from day one you had oh. the working revolve and all the working doors. Yeah. That never happens. Never happens. That yes. never happens. Yes. But so what many, I yeah. saw on opening night was this beautiful, fluid and strong relationship to space Mm. where you all own the space so beautifully and there's a confidence, a physical confidence in that space that is so unusual from the beginning. That's usually mm. something week three yeah. Yeah. you got that. Yeah. So yeah. it's strange, this strange time. It, that was a blessing in a way, I think, because I, I actually don't know how we would have done the show without the yeah. set. It would have been a very long yeah. tech process yeah. instead hard. of the short one yeah. that was. Yeah. 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 Especially given we lost a week on... Yeah. I mean, we didn't lose a week, but we spent a week on Zoom. It got so. a week without body. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 And also, there's other those other wins there where you know the, the amount of scenic art that went on to that. It was kind of it's like I said, it's like the Sistine Chapel. You know, literally, it's, <laughs> it's been true. like it's been scenic for a year. <laughs> so, so Renee's Renee's design looks looks even even better because of that kind of time mm. investment. Yeah, this strangely uneven making to produce something that felt very whole when it met its audience. It That's was lovely. kind of the strangest, the strangest feeling. Like, and again, not being able to have the regular markers in your body where you know where something's up to mm. has been really interesting, sitting on the outside of it. Well, the play's kind of like that in itself. It isn't one thing. It isn't a naturalistic story. It isn't just a fantasy. We dip in and out of all kinds of worlds. So it kind of is I serendipitous mean, that we had this kind yeah. of all over the place non-process, we try, you know, which Sam put beautiful structure around all of it as much as you could with what we had to deal with. You talked about it from the very beginning, Sam. You, know, you talked very clearly about it being many genres and moving between different styles. So you've had this in your head. What's the reality of it as opposed to how you imagined it? Oh, interestingly, you know what the reality is? And I'm always a sort of director who, as, as you know, is a kind of um, discovers stuff in front of myself as much as I kind of pre-plan things. But what's been interesting about this process is a lot of what we talked about from the kind of very first conception of it has played out kind of relatively close to plan. Of course, there are discoveries and of course, there are evolutions. But particularly that idea of kind of leaning into the genre extremes. You know, when the work goes dark, we want to go really dark and unflinching. When the work goes kind of magic realist, we want to go kind of, you know, spectacular and, and fantastical. And when the work goes goes into those kind of fantasy sequences, we want to go, you know, a bit ridiculous and joyous and silly. And so we did the there was an interesting point, I suppose, too, when we put it in front of an audience, we put it together again, where I was like, oh, I wonder if this works in the novel, but is this going to work on stage as a kind of coherent night of theatre? And luckily it, it does and it did. So, yeah, so, yeah, so and because um, we sort of got one shot at building it in a way, like because in the, given, the, given the nature of it and the time constraints. And it, if it hadn't, we might have needed to adjust. But but fortunately, the, yeah, what was sort of planned played out. And it's also a testament to how hard everyone who was making it worked, particularly the cast worked. So, like, you know, we, we were multitasking enormously in those kind of last few weeks and particularly the design team and our and our movement director Nerida Mateo as well. Um, you know, she we were able to kind of effectively run two rooms at once for a lot of the time. So we could we could kind of maximize the work that we were doing. Michaela, you live in some of the the harshest, grimmest reel mm. of the play. Mm. Tom, you move into with with August into the magic realism mm. a lot. Yeah. I mean, you're the one in that magic car repeatedly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. making bringing that to life for us. And then there's that extraordinary almost keystone cops moment where everybody just falls down for no reason and I'm just like, <laughs> that, like I think if all of those things exist in this play. Mm. Did you have questions about whether it would come together? No, As actors inside it? No. no. Okay. No. I don't know why. I probably should have. Yeah, too <laughs> I, sensitive to share them possibly. No, I, I probably should ha have but I just, I don't know, I just have this, uh, everything Sam does I love and, and I, I, I just was. I just there's just this kind of trust that comes, and and not just Sam, the whole creative team. I just thought this is there's something magical about it. I know it sounds corny, but I just came off a plane. It was before this one, and it was wonderful. And I worked with great people, and I had a wonderful time, and it was great. Was it magical? It wasn't magical like this. This is a very rare thing that happens a handful of times in your career, frankly, for me anyway. Yeah. And uh, that was really evident really early and I just went, oh, 
I know Sam, he will have got all the people in the right spots doing the right things. There's this element of trust that you just give over, which sounds a bit hippie, but I am a bit of a hippie. You just kind of give over and you go, this, let, let's just let this roll out and see. And, and I guess when you think about all those different genres all being thrown together in this mixing pot of a play, you go, Is that, how's that going to work? But it just, I just knew that Sam knows what he's doing. <laughs> Frankly, <laughs> just I don't know. You just, I agree. You just kind of know. You know, you know that it's it's an instinct thing that you yeah. go something's gonna. This is this is gonna sit in the right place. Yeah, yeah it's bizarre, and it, you know. Did you have that too? Do you I, day one, actually. Right. Day yeah, one, I, like when we were assembled in in the rehearsal room with all the company and everyone, and Lee handed the room over to Sam. I knew at that moment I was like, I think we're onto something pretty special. Yeah. Just because you can feel at a molecular level, you know, the trust that's starting to build with people. Yeah. It's a chemical thing. And, you know, I I've agree I've done projects as well that have been so wonderful and so lovely and beautiful, but sometimes you get something that transcends even beyond that, and that's what this does. But I, I think that's also in the spirit of the novel. That's what yeah. – I, I, when I read the book for the first time, I, I had the same reaction of this visceral urge of just going, wow, that was – that did not make any sense, but, geez, that was – Amazing, you know, absolutely amazing. I think that's what I'd add to. Obviously, I will, I will accept both of your very generous and lovely comments, but good. I think you're right, Tom, that the source material was incredibly important in that, and that not just that it's good and it works and it's beloved, but that kind of people fundamentally believe in it yeah. um, and believe in the enterprise. And I think that that just put us in such a such a kind of wonderful, puts, puts pressure on in different ways where you go, this is, this, you know, this product that's kind of cherished by so many people. You don't want to be the ones who kind of stuff it up. But um but I think right. I think it gives you does give you a gives a very strong foundation to work from. There is a philosophy that sits underneath it that everyone wants to believe in at the moment and needs to believe in. And you can feel that through the play. I think if this last couple of years has taught us anything is that the work has to matter. Not only to us, because obviously you work in theatre yeah. and you know that, mm. but it has to matter for the audience too. Because I think there are layers of audience who are conscious that they're taking a risk coming out into public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that yeah. they mm-hmm. they've been made to feel a lot more fragile as humans in the last couple of years. And I suppose we're dealing with repercussions of our actions, you mm. know. Is it safe to go out at the moment? Yep. Is it not? Should I be limiting what I do? I've got to, I mean, all of you not going talking to Andrew Buchanan about how he's only got click and collect uh, or no delivery of of vegetables so he doesn't go to a supermarket Mm. so that he's, because he's a conscious of his ability to take down a show, essentially. One person could take down a whole show. And I think our sense of responsibility has changed. So that thing at at the heart of this book, the heart of the play is something that actually matters to all of us. It's a magnet. Yeah, Mm, not without risk. Yeah. (laughs) In that thing of will this work and the audience going, will this work? Yeah. I mean, the hard thing with all the Q&As and the pre-stuff is everybody saying to you, Sam, so how are you going to do that? (laughs) And and being able to say to people, don't worry. And I think that's where we took the cue for our approach. I suppose there's two things there. The first thing is that what you're talking about, Lee, where there's a neat fit between the kind of spirit of the novel and the spirit of the time in that, you know, it's a story about, overcoming trauma through love, hope, and optimism. And you go, well, what what better moment to tell that story? There's that. But then I think we also took the cue for how we approach the telling of the story from the novel and its author, which is that kind of sense of confidence and audacity where you go, you can kind of, like the book does, you can kind of do anything if you do it with sufficient flair. And so we went, <laughs> well, basically our job is to channel that. Yeah. In other universes, you might be a bit more polite and go, or, or circumspect or something, and go, oh, I don't know if we can go from that extreme scene to that kind of silly one. But then we always went, came back to know this is this is the the spirit of the novel is to kind of just attack it. Mm. And yeah, people will go with you if you do it with sufficient confidence. For me, I love that moment. Talk about sufficient confidence where you're playing Nadia Kamenich <laughs> <laughs> in a red that, sequin dress. That became something bigger than it should have been, I think. It's, uh, that was it's my bigger, mind. Bigger. Yeah. It's a whole, it's a whole yeah, routine it's a, in there. It's a good routine. But, but there's so, something yeah. about everybody seems to be pulling the elastic further. Who knows at which point it's going to snap back. But mm. look, there's something of the audacity in that that we love and are quite inspired by. Like that, the person who does the Nadia Kamenich routine also ends up with her face in a plate of dog food. Mm. The extremity mm. of experience. Because that's life, isn't it? It's life. And that's humanity yeah. and that's us as human beings and that's what we need to see reflected back. That's why audiences come to the theatre. They want to know that they're not alone. They want to know... 
that the weirdness of their own life is the weirdness, present. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I always love that about looking at pieces that are dark or pieces that are super funny, like the light and shade that we talk about in the play that's in the book that we talk about in the play a lot, you know, the good and the bad, the the joy and the heartbreak, you know, the broken and the and, and the courageous. The behaviors you know? that don't fit into the word that I have is diagnosis, it's not the right word, but the conversation about August that exists in the play, mm. you know, the various people and the judgments that fall on him, the use of the word autism in there when you cut in the family defense that says, no, he just doesn't want to talk. Yeah. Yeah. That that's borne out, that lovely layer of the complexity of love in a family and yeah. complexity of kids and the difficulties of kids, all kids, yeah. that you see that reflected. How did you navigate that for yourself? Oh, look, that was that was something Sam and I, we kind of broke that down after the first couple of weeks. What I find with August is that it's just, it's an amazing, beautiful role and a once-in-a-lifetime role. Mm. And on the page, you're not given a lot <laughs> to work with, so you kind of have to read a little bit between the lines. But the book does help fill in a bit of those gaps as well. But I, I think it was actually tapping into the spirit of who he is as a person rather than the the kind of behavioural ticks that he's mm. got. That, for me, was the keystone with that character. And then being able to strip those behaviours back was the next phase of it that we found in the room because originally I made probably far too many offers in the <laughs> scenes. No such thing. Sam such very thing. Gen- <laughs> gently guided away to, so the audience could do their own reading of it, could do their own work on it. Because he is one of those kids, and they're everywhere in life, in schools, in families who they... They just are who they are. And also it's a sign of the times. This is, yeah. this is the 80s. 80s. That's it. Yeah. We just didn't know yeah. all the, all the spectrum, the spectrum of the yeah. but For of me, behavior. it's actually quite a real thing because my partner had a year in his life where he stopped speaking. Yeah, right. right. When he was about seven or eight. Wow. wow. Just didn't yeah. speak. And no one I knew why. we could all benefit think. from doing yeah. that. I could be either. Like 2022 for me. I don't think he necessarily yeah. knows either. Well, he, right. Like, you know, thing and, and that thing of love that gives you time and space to navigate. One of my favourite moments is when Gus walks in the door and is it Miss or Mrs. Birkbeck? Mrs. Birkbeck. Mrs. Yeah. Birkbeck is having a really caring conversation with a, a dad about her worries about her son and he walks in and goes, I'm not going to kill myself. Yeah. And you kind of go... You can feel in the audience. There are so many parents worried about their kids yeah. at the moment. Yeah. yeah. And that thing of they wish they could have that moment, yeah. you know, and you kind of go, if you just keep going and keep loving your kids, faith that at some point it will work out. Yeah, and, and I, think I love that's that a, moment where he speaks mm. that. It's And that's the wonderful thing about about his family, his, um, both Frankie and, and Robert and Lyle as well, is that they all accept and love him for who he is. And Eli does probably the, the most out of all of them. And then, you know, we see that kind of push back and go forth and their relationship changes because of different things that have that occur throughout the play. But despite the trials that the family goes through, it's actually a really wondrous example of love and mm. almost normality in a way, mm. you know. There's plenty of other stories of families who are in, you know, much better off social circumstances and don't But have, it's still relatable to yeah, them. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. yeah. And then there's that very dark scene and I kind of, I remember when I saw it, it reminded me of how dark the book was because we mm. tend to forget the dark stuff, right? Yeah. We yeah. love the light stuff and we yeah. head towards the light. Um, <laughs> but I remember seeing it when I saw it in the in the rehearsal room going, oh yeah, that's right. And seeing that scene with Teddy mm. in the house where the abuse of August, that terrible abuse of mm. him and what it is as a mother to love someone and let that happen mm. and what it is as an actor to navigate understanding something that you like to think you would never live. Mm. How did you approach that, Sam? There was a philosophical approach to it in the first instance, which was inspired by, uh, in part, by conversations with Trent, which was about don't you know don't this is this is a part of the novel that you don't want to shy away from, and we didn't want to shy away from them from anyway. But so then there was the feeling was like we want to not censor. Um, obviously, we want to be responsible in the kind of stories that we're telling, but we want to actually kind of not censor the way that the domestic violence um, specifically is depicted on stage. Yep. Then once you make that decision, then it becomes the, the, a, the next step is, well, how do, you, how do you do that and do that in a way that is still responsible and still safe? Mm. And one immediate answer to that is, is Nigel Poulton, who's the production's intimacy and fight director, is it getting Nigel, and I know Nigel is, is, is good at dealing with that sort of sort of work. And Michaela, of course, is a, um, and we've worked together in in, um, mm. in that capacity. Michaela is, is, is a, um, a kind of renowned intimacy coordinator in her own right, and, and we've worked on shows together in that capacity. 
So I think there was, you know, it's getting the right people on it and then it's it's actually like how you then deal with it, which is probably a, probably a, a nice point to bring you in <laughs> on that. But I think, yeah, we wanted, to, we wanted to be unflinching in our treatment of it, but we then to do that, we needed to sort of get the right people and have the right approach. Yeah, because as, as we do acknowledge how it's happening and how often it's happening in our actual society, you realise that a fair percentage of the people sitting in the audience have direct first-hand contact with Absolutely. Yeah. those behaviours. Yeah. Yeah. And so they know when it rings true and when it doesn't. Yeah. And you want to make it ring true as hard as that is yeah. because if it rings false, those Absolutely. people are going, that's, that's not real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so, right. And it takes them out of the, the story. Out of the story, yeah. 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 The other element is that we do this eight times a week, yeah. which everyone is aware of, but to sustain it is is a, another element. To carry it. To carry it eight times a week. But we, the way that we did it, we choreographed it, we carefully, meticulously, slowly choreographed it. And Andrew Buchanan, who plays Teddy. Who's the sweetest I, man? Who's just <laughs> divine. divine. He's so lovely. <laughs> but we hadn't really got to know each other very well. He was working on another play at the time. So we hadn't actually spent a lot of time together when we did actually start working on the scene. But he's so good at what he does and he's so professional and and there was something that happened that I just immediately went, oh, I feel really safe and qu- quite confident with you. And um, and over time, we've, you know, we've got to know each other more and more and, 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 and that safety is there. But what we did was we structurally did it in a way that's so safe that meant he and I can now lean right into the danger of it. But it's done in a safe way. It so, looks like danger. It's not danger. It's not yes. danger. It's complete safety. So we can lean into the danger of the scene yeah. and not the danger of the physical element of it. And in fact, it's it's probably worse, not worse, it's more difficult for Joe it. and Tom to mm. stand and observe than it is for Andrew and I to perform that scene. I strangely feel very empowered performing that scene because I feel so safe and I know that it's a powerful scene and I know that it has to be... It has a purpose. ...told. There's a reason And it has a huge it. purpose yeah. and it's a big moment for Eli and for August, really. Mm. And so sometimes I'm my concern is more <laughs> with them, to be honest with yeah. you, and for some of our audience members. Which, and interestingly, ushers. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. they watch repeatedly yeah. and we don't, yeah. like, actually yeah. talking to them about... I know that's it. Like it's, no, absolutely. Yeah. That's thing, a, people that's a, watching it repeatedly, night after night. That's a big part of. They're all of, part of, of the process. They're a part of the team, yeah. and it's and that's a big part of working with um, fight and intimacy direction is to ensure the safety of not just the people performing, the people around you, and that their well being is taken mm. care of. And I think that's the beauty of it is that everyone is as uncomfortable as it is to watch. Hopefully, Tom. And Joe are both acutely aware of how safe we are. And so they're not feeling worried for my safety. They just know it's an unpleasant thing that is happening it's also in, in reality. Interesting when when you know the physical effort that it takes to give the illusion of violence, the, mm. the very choreographed moments and the control, the strength and control it takes from actors to execute that. Mm. Sometimes the conversation about that, if you're watching that, it's easier to watch. Right. As opposed to watching It's a delicate scene. balance, yeah. though, because ultimately, Andrew could overpower me quite easily. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a horrendous thing to observe, but it's one of those scenes where I think Joe and I know like it, it, we have to let it happen and let it affect us because it flows on to the next part of the story. Mm-hmm. But there's never been a moment where we've kind of been worried about either Andrew or Michaela yeah. being injured or anything or, you know, it kind of going out of control. And I think that that's a real props to both of them because of the the sheer commitment that they both have for that scene. You know, Andrew has to go berserk rage for it to work and Michaela has to give that back to him as well. Yeah. yeah. It is fascinating to me, again, it comes back to that question of the people that you assemble for this kind of work, Sam. I'm focusing a lot more as a director on people's physical fitness and strength, their ability to control physically what they do repeatedly so that there's very little variation in the, sc- the physical score. Was that part of your consideration? Yeah, it's, it's been a huge part, and that's and that's um, that's sort of really testament to narrator's work. And I think part of saying that that movement is a vital part of the storytelling of the work was to embed it as a because you know sometimes a cast like this, you know, sometimes when you um in sort of straight theatre land, you can be slightly cynical of or, or, or suspicious of movement or something where it's got to, you know yeah. do that sort of contemporary yeah. dance or something. But um, yeah, why but we so, roll around um, on the floor? Yeah, you know, yeah. but. So we made it. We made it a daily practice as well. So there was a, there was at least an hour's worth of kind of dedicated movement time every day that was about 
progressively building strength and building skills. But it, yeah, it was it was interesting to bring that kind of discipline and rigor. Um, it was into incredible the room. Yeah, for it was us really because amazing. it created this physical bond and trust and comfortability, so that we could be physical with one another. We had. Narita's work is extraordinary and, and that created this world for us that we could play in that with Nigel Poulton and his work with our intimacy and stuff. So there was this kind of wonderful consensual work going on every day that helped us create the world that we we exist in. And without that, it, it couldn't have worked, to be honest, you know. And I will say that just talking about that scene and 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 any of the violent scenes for those interested, we we check in prior to every show, even on a two-show day. We do both shows. We mark through everything. We just check in. We're constantly checking in with each other, mentally, emotionally, and physically. And after the show. show? And after the show, we do, like, yeah, yeah we'll tap yeah. out and we, I, I, yeah, there's certain people that I get a hug from because <laughs> I go, I need to just check in with you yeah. and go, how was that? Are you okay? And yeah, it's it, it's it's really important. It's really important. Sorry, Tom, I feel like you were going to say something and I jumped in because I no. was excited about the no. movement element. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say that it's um because we have Charlie and Raw who are also dancers and movers in the company as well. And I think I find having them mm-hmm. as part of the ensemble, that has actually really heightened everyone's body awareness, which as an actor is fantastic because you can, I, I know myself, I can kind of get into cerebral land quite easily sometimes. <laughs> um, so to be able to work on this piece in with with the body has been I find it really refreshing. Like it's interesting that you say you're so much more awarely of of actors and their physical kind of capabilities now or their physical fitness because it's such an important part of storytelling. Mm. Um it's been a really interesting process to have that in this as well. On yeah, top of all that really kind of straight that domestic acting mm. as well. Yeah. Because we have to connect emotionally, but we also really like I think we need to do a time lapse of backstage, to be honest with you, because of all the changes and the running around the carry-on. Yes, Joe yeah. has no idea what's going yeah, on yeah. back there because yeah. he never leaves the stage. But it's so cool and it's so fascinating. We really probably should film it at some point because it's, on yeah. some level, hysterical. No, there are, are some things off. that should never yeah. be seen. But yeah. it's fabulous. It's like this whole other world exists. There's a second play going on yeah. backstage. And, and that's like, also a testament to some of the, in terms of the team too, the the um, um the stage yeah. management team in a way. Like oh this, you know, the... The logistical putting together of the show is sort of like a, you know, it's like Dunkirk or something. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's huge. Talk about a funny silver um, lining. John uh, Reed, uh, who was mm-hmm. one of those who yeah. worked with Cirque du Soleil, living over in Canada, all of that Cirque du Soleil shuts down. He comes back home to Brisbane, is available for this. So at no point phased by the scale or the oh, physical. This, we had this, world. Um, this, it was this fabulous COVID winner. We had this moment before rehearsal where. John was showing me particular sort of spreadsheets or documents <laughs> that they use to track, you know, really large-scale Cirque shows and track what's going on both in the making of it and in the performing of it. And I was like, oh, that's going to be, oh, my God, that's going to be perfect for this. So, yeah, so, so yeah, that was, it was a, an amazing win. Yeah. Yeah. And that planning backstage that I suppose that he's the backstage director, if you like, yeah, yeah. making sure that everybody's tracks are clear mm. and possible. Yeah, it's, it is a world back there. It's extraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And our, you know, wigger and dresser and ASMs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're it, incredible. It is quite extraordinary. I mean, it is that funny thing of we always think people should see it, but I also think sometimes there's <laughs> the, the magic. magic. That's the magic, the magic yeah. of theatre, isn't it? should never know how yes. you get from that door no, to that course, door. of course. Of course not. I know. I just, part of me goes, it's just so fascinating <laughs> it's, yeah. to watch. It's a show really in itself. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing to me, I have to say, watching that go in, that, that scale of work go into that space, how smoothly it went in. That was sort of mysterious to me. Like that first run that you did at the end of a full-on week, the Saturday night, the first time you put it together, it was kind of amazing. You got through from beginning to end. Yeah. Which never happens. No, no, no. I mean, which was… Considering the um, size, but… Yeah. yeah. And I think that was a result of a, few, a number of things. It was a result of the the people first and foremost, but then it was also a result of the sort of the planning. But then but then I also think just the, the spirit of it that we talked about before. I mean, everyone was just up for it and brought a kind of generosity and an energy to the making of the work that made, yeah, squeezing, you know, essentially kind of four weeks worth of work into two possible. I was a little dubious, I have to say, about yeah. about that for, not about the run, but but when I saw this, the timeline of what was going to be happening, 
we we technically didn't start as actors. I know that the yeah. creatives did a whole lot of tech without us. But in terms of getting our bodies on the set and starting to do the scenes, we didn't start teching until Thursday morning. And then we did our first run on Saturday night and then we were doing shows. That That's it, you know. And I've done yeah. a show half the length of this with way less, like very yeah. minimal set and had three more days tech than that. So when I heard we kind of had two, two and a half days of tech, I was like, that's not possible. So that speaks to, to, the, to the company and to the creatives that were, are on this. It, I, I cannot believe that the work that I'm gonna was talk about, I'm going to talk about the one time the show stopped. Yeah. Which, yes, yeah, ironically. Which, yeah, I, well, I have product, to yeah. because 20 yeah. years from now, people will read things that were written about it and there'll be memories. And I just want to talk about that moment on opening night where everything's going so beautifully. It's in the second half, all of this sort of stuff. Sam Strong, when... <laughs> when Darren Dang flourished his samurai sword and yeah. took out the light bulb above him with a and yeah. a you know a few couple of sparks, what did that feel like? Look, it was actually quite an exciting moment because of the because of the as you say the nature the like the acoustic nature it was kind of interesting because it did have a bit of a buzz and it was quite a big it smash. Felt like a cue, yeah, it did. It um, and I up to that point, yeah, I have I have had experiences of shows that haven't played out strictly intended on. On openings and and, and um, uh, what was interesting is we were tracking very well um, <laughs> up to that point. But then I then said, my next moment, thinking forwards, of course, which is what most people do in that that situation. That um, what we then had was a whole lot of glass, broken glass on the stage, and we were about to go into a kind of movement slash fight sequence where a lot of people were on the floor. Um, so I knew that that wasn't going to end particularly well. So I knew there was going to be a showstop at some point. And then also I was thinking about, oh, did it get down to the Revolve or what happened? The, um, so there was an inevitable showstop. But as is always as is always the case with those things, Joe and Hua improvised their way when the curtain, yeah, the, very quickly curtain went down, announcement went back up, you know, sort of three minutes later or something. Yes. And they improvised their way out of it so beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it endeared, it endeared them. I don't know, oh, I don't know yeah, what they felt like backstage, but it oh, endeared yeah. them to the audience so well. You know, that's actually like cheering backstage. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, this it, thing that actually disrupts the plan actually makes it better. Yeah. Which is sort and of the, 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 the theme of the whole after thing. Because, of course, this le- legendary moment where Hua says, shit happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you just go, that's going to go down in legend is one of the best saves, yeah. best yeah. comebacks. And the audience just fell apart laughing and it was this very funny moment sitting there with a lot of donors and government people around me and the curtain went down and everyone said, is there a problem? Is there a problem? I said, the light bulb. And they went, that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. But when it came up and that the shit happens, everybody relaxed into it and the love that flowed from the audience towards You can the feel stage that on stage. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was actually a different play after that, I think. Like that particular mm. night. It was it was a great night, but then that from that point onwards it just went into this well, rip roaring territory. It's it was so impressive. The the complexity, the energy, the scale of the show. And we're all in a sort of a, a theatrically sensorially starved space, right? We're yeah. not going out every night of the week yeah. watching shows. Yeah. This thing is fully formed in front of us. Mm. And that one moment reminded us of how hard it is, what you do up there. Well, how and complex. hilariously, of all the things that could possibly yeah, have gone yeah, wrong yeah, on this yeah, show, yeah. there's so yeah. much tech. None of that is wicked. None of that went yeah. wrong. Yeah. Someone swung a thing around this and a light bulb pin, broke. Like you know? the one thing he could have connected with. <laughs> so That's it reminded smart. us, <laughs> as, as grateful audience members, it reminded us of, you know, don't try this at home. This is really hard, what mm. these guys are doing. Mm. And a little thing <laughs> can do that. And you just go... We loved being reminded of that. Someone said to me, that's why we go to theatre. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And I went, yeah. yeah, that's why, we, yeah. like, Netflix is not enough Yeah, on some yeah. level. And it reminded us of that. And until that point, you all been in too impressive <laughs> for us to actually remember the humanity of theatre. Lots of things yeah. kind of went a bit pear-shaped on opening night. There's yeah, there was another. Tiny there was, things. Again, those, there, was, there were other things that people wouldn't have seen. Like one um, one other thing that happened was, um, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, the, no, the, no, the door, yeah, the, um, Oh, the... Um, a part of rehearsing on the set and with that, with Move It being such such an integral part, was that the door opening, there's like 14 doors, whatever there is in the set, um, the door opening is kind of very, very highly choreographed. Um, when the set doors open, when the set doors close, cast come on and off stage. And one of the kind of main double doors in the set broke <laughs> on the first day, on the first shift. Mm-hmm. So, so basically, the the, yeah, the mechanism that we've been using for about five weeks. So that that was um, I had no yeah. idea. A couple of yeah, times yeah. the revolve didn't stop. Yeah, when the, it yes, revolve, yeah. There was a yeah. bunch of little things that were, I was like. 
This, the this is way. the first time the show hasn't run completely smoothly. But I love that because you go, keeps us in the moment, yeah. keeps everyone on their toes, and that's what you want on an opening night. You want to be present right in that moment. And you also want to let go of the idea of a perfect show. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know about you as a, no, a director, 100%. Sam, but how few of the yeah. runs in your whole career yeah. have been perfect. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't one exist. Or two. Yeah. It doesn't exist, yeah. does it? Yeah. And, but somewhere in our heads, we, we still chase it. Yeah. And as soon as something goes wrong, especially on a, I kind of relax and I go, good. Because yeah. it can't be a perfect show. So yeah. let's make the show we make. Yeah. 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 No, I yeah, think absolutely. 100%. It's, yeah, it's, I love I that. I didn't even notice with the door. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even notice. There you go. <laughs> I only knew backstage because there was a um, there's a crew member holding the door, and I was like, "Oh, that person's never normally there. Is there? There must be something." And then I saw them pulling it and pushing it back and forth, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, this is what we're in for. <laughs> Let's go." Yeah, right. I mean, I God, I could talk with you guys for forever <laughs> about it, but but I suppose the next questions, I suppose, for the play are are how it settles into the city. Because, of course, it's been embraced in its first few and there are everybody who's got a ticket, bought a ticket early on with all the people who love the book, right? Mm. And then it starts to unfold to the world of people who haven't read the book mm. and this will be their first contact with the story. Is there anything from the book that you miss, Sam? Oh, well, I think, interestingly, I think that question of what do we include or exclude from the book is something that we've been answering in different ways for three years. And it's something that that everyone's been able to answer in their own way. So obviously Tim and Trent and I have, have been engaged in that process for a long time. And then Cast have been involved in that process at Creative Developments too. But then Cast were really involved in that process once we hit rehearsal as well. So, the, you know, they were still, we're still going, oh, do we want to rescue this moment from the book? Or do we want to, you know, I miss this line from the book? Or I miss this exchange? Or I miss this transaction? Or So that's gone on throughout. So I think the upshot of that and we should hear from, from you, Tom McCullough, about yeah, well, how that process was for you. But the, um, I think for the whole show, the upshot of that is that by the time we get to this version, that question of what's in and what's out is relatively settled because we've sort of been asking it on it over and over and over and over again. Yeah. I, I reread the book before we started, about four weeks before we started rehearsals. And what I realized in reading the book again was that there were characters in it that I went, oh, the character is fantastic. And you do kind of go, oh, I wonder if they could be in the play. But then... When you do the play, you actually don't miss those characters because Tim has stripped the story back down to its absolute core and there's enough nods in the play, I think, to the book that gets people nice and jittery for it. There was only one particular line that Tim cut, which is a, a line that August writes in the air, which was, you and me and you and me and you and me. Nerida asked us in the third week if we had any favourite lines that she wanted to then translate into your movement mm-hmm. setting and so I gave her that one and said, oh, it's not actually in the script anymore, but I love this particular line. So she's managed to include that into the play just through a movement um, gesture that John and I do and repeat throughout the show. So there's also that element of it, which the book doesn't have, obviously, because it's all words. So mm-hmm. the kind of the 3D, the live flesh of it, it actually includes more than what I think people are anticipating that's been cut from it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that. About, I feel like it's going to sound a bit hippie, but we carry the stuff that might not exist in the play we carry from the book, we carry that in in us. So for me, there's stuff, there's, you know, the repetition of the violence, the, you know, there's, there's all these moments with the boys that aren't specifically in the play, but we carry that within us in the story anyway, in our bodies, mm. in our hearts, which I know that sounds silly, but I don't feel like anything's missing because it sits in us. Mm. You know, there are little moments that the two of you have, the relationship between Frankie and Garth. We have hardly any, Physi- but... Yeah, well, you don't necessarily have a lot of dialogue together, but you've built a physical dialogue mm, yeah. between the two of you, mm-hmm. haven't you? We did, yeah, and we were very... We actually very consciously did that as well. It was something that, well, for my character, it was kind of something I was conscious of with, with everyone, but particularly Frankie because she is my mum in the show and you have to see that... She's got a relationship with Gus as much as she does with Eli. Mm. Um, it's just that because it's told from Eli's perspective, you get more of the dialogue. Mm. But it was also with other characters like Lyle. There's actually very few moments that I have with Ghoulie, but um, mm. the ones that I do, we made them sh- to be as powerful as we could. And like Michaela's saying, a lot of that actually came 
from the book, we've just kind of invoked the spirit of it into us in a way that doesn't have to be direct. Mm. Yeah. I think like an example would be the Frankie and Slim's relationship because they're never really on, even on stage together until that very last minute. And we talked about having a point of contact and just having connection. But ultimately, we don't need that because... Tony and I created a connection and we know the story and we know their relationship and we have that in the final scene without giving anything away if you haven't seen it, but in the final moment we have a point of contact and that's all we need because we know the through line of their... The irony of that relationship is that he's there when you're not. Mm. That's right. Babysitter, ultimately. And while she was in prison, he was in touch with her all the time she was in prison and we don't need to see that. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. There's layers and textures that you put in. And well, that we, we hope it's there. I say that we carry oh, it with yeah, us, but that's what, no, but that's what that's we feel. Story. I mean, that's the disconcerting thing really about seeing a book that you love come to life is that the richness of what you have is so full that it displaces what you'd imagined in a mm. funny way and it becomes the memory. Brian Brown always talks about loving doing new Australian work because it's like walking through snow, Mm. the first footprints in the snow. He doesn't like following other footprints. Mm. He likes being the first. So it can't be compared to anyone. He said, if I'm the first production on, they can compare their performances to me. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And I kind of love that feeling that you will be the memory of these characters and this Mm. play will go on and look, look, it's that funny thing, isn't it? In the time before COVID, this would already be unsold and we would know where it's going and what it's doing because we were always planning two or three years ahead. So you would know all of that. And now we don't know. We know it will have a life. (gasps) What that is, how it grows, where it goes, is still to be figured out around border closures. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the people that see it in this first time, Mm. you will always be the pictures that they have in their head of Frankie Bell and August Bell. And you just kind of go somewhere, 20 years from now, someone will stop you in the street because you'll be the picture in their head of the book to the play and then how they imagine forward. That's really beautiful. It's surreal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I met someone who had seen the play and they haven't read the book yet and they said, I'm going to, of course, now I'm going to read the book. But I imagine now they will imprint the play in the book, you know, yeah. as yeah, much yeah, as people absolutely. are imprinting the They won't the actually book. imagine the characters without your voices, your right, faces, which your is bodies. It's surreal. Yeah. It's mm. sort of, so there's this really complex future relationship that you will always have with this material. There is, because then you have ownership over it. A lot of people, a lot of our audience have ownership on this story already. It's a Brisbane story. It's so iconically Brisbane. It's so, like we were, Tom was saying before, these characters are all kinds of families, you know. But for me, I don't know how you, you you probably feel the same way. I don't want to speak for you, Tom, but like I now I'm like, oh, Frankie's like precious to me and I can't imagine <laughs> anyone else. How would I ever let anyone else play her? And they will, I'm sure. But there's this kind of sense of protection over these characters and these people. Yeah, I'm completely yeah. I think yeah. because yeah. on a, on a level, yeah. there's a level of no, characters that are That's okay, you can get older and people. you can play another character. In the- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at his face. He's going to have a baby yeah. face for life. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there's an element of, of this story that is true and real as well. And so we're playing people who are... Who have seen it, yeah. Fictitious characters, but are also real people. I mean, you're playing a version, a fictional version of... Trent's mum. Yeah. And I met her the other night and cried on it. She was crying too. It's embarrassing. But yeah, it's a, that's a, an honour and a privilege and a responsibility and a rare gift. You have know. you done that, ever done that before as an actor? Play I've, a live yeah, person? Yeah, I have played, I have played a live person, real life person. And yeah, for me, it's not about trying to be like them or anything like that. So I hadn't met Trent's mum until after the show was up and running and that instance I got to meet the person before I played them but I just was like kind of like what Sam was saying earlier it's not about trying to emulate this person it's trying to find the right kind of energy to represent them and honour them Mm. I guess I can't be them so my take is to go what is at the essence of this person and what is at the core of them and what drives them and how do they sit in the world and just try to locate that within myself. And then, of course, at the other end of the extreme is the completely belonging to this play 
not real character of mm. Sharon. <laughs> How did yeah. that happen? How did Sharon? Now, for those people listening who haven't seen it, Sharon <laughs> is the uh, receptionist at first. The What's the first? Southwest Star. Southwest Star. And then whether she goes on to like get a better job. She, she, do, she, at she does, yes. Career, yeah. 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 Um, she has a glow up, as they say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a really wonderful example of things evolving over the course of rehearsal mm. and the kind of the beautiful work that Nock Farn, who's play, who plays um, those roles as well as, as well as Bick and, and Mrs. Birkbeck, what she brought to those roles. So, so, a couple, so when we started rehearsal, some ways the attribution of that role was actually up for grabs. It might have been Nock, it might have been someone else. <laughs> they were potentially different roles as well. And then as we kind of... Um, we got further through the process. It, it sort of made it made sense that Nock was doing them both, and she originally pitched them as different people, and was doing you know great kind of acting work to make them distinct. And then we went, actually, this makes more sense. We'll just make this the same person, but that she's, <laughs> that she's, she's um you know she's kind of gone up in the world uh, as it were. And so all those things came together, and then Nock was bringing such amazing kind of comedic chops to it, and and bouncing in, and the other and the other cast we were bouncing off us. And I said that we thought we actually sort of wanted to um gave her a name. Uh, <laughs> and then we built the name into the text. She didn't have a name initially. Uh, she didn't have a name initially, no. no and then the name got built into the text and then kind of Renee's costumes fused the two characters that were once separate into one. And Tim's uh, going to write the spin-off. Tim's going to write the spin-off the musical. Off the musical. <laughs> um, and then and speaking of, um, and that's sort of the high watermark of that was on, speaking of you know, happy accidents, on the first preview, Brian Robertson is, is the Courier Mail editor character played by Anthony Gooley knocked a Coke can off his desk, which then kind of, um, you know, broke and sprayed Coke everywhere. Um, and so, again, we're saying, what's going to happen here? And then actually, like, Nock came on as Sharon with a towel and just kind of cleaned it up live in front of everyone. And it was, again, it sort of stopped the house. sarcastic yeah. cleaning up. Yeah. Of a, well, if I have to, someone has to do this. <laughs> she didn't say a word, but she just did it in this, like it took this whole moment and then it was, that was where thank you, Sharon came yeah. from. Right? Yes, absolutely. And then, so it's a good example of, yeah, how things, even, even with kind of meticulous planning, sort of organic and accidental things happen that are, that are an improvement and you embrace them and keep doing them. And then... Productions in the future go, how do that? we, yeah. what is that? Where did that come from? What? Yeah. What? Yep. There's this extra character. It's not in the original character list. What is that? And you just go, this magic thing happened and this relationship happened. And then, you know, a designer finds a kind of a perfect 80s purple jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. With, yeah. And you go, this Fantastic thing evolves. Yeah. 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 The magic of the rehearsal room and the right group of people. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Evolving something. Yeah. I obviously don't know the play as well as you guys. I sit on the outside as a very grateful audience member. Are there any things in there that I suppose that surprised you? What actually actually was most surprising about it was um, almost how easy it became to be so drawn to it. Like when when I first started working on it, before we started rehearsals, I was thinking, oh, geez, this is, you know, this is big. How am I going to do this? And, you know, you have all those kind of actor anxiety Mm. questions. (laughs) But a lot of that just dissipated very quickly and, a lot of process things kind of, like personal process things kind of dissipated very quickly as well and you just committed to this strange genre-bending beast of stream-of-consciousness play in a way. I think that's that's probably what I found most surprising about the work. I'm someone who's quite structural and rigorous and to throw that out the window can be quite difficult sometimes. But with this project, it wasn't, which I think is a testament to Sam's room as well. Like mm-hmm. the room was so comfortable and so fluid and so easy and the ensemble, everyone was so supportive of, you know, the various things that we all had to do from the violence to the the movement pieces to even just like those movement sessions in the morning that we were talking about before. Mm. Like that, that stuff can be quite confronting because you've got to dance in front of people you've never met before. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. but yeah. It, it was a joy. Not late at night too. Just, yeah. Yeah. 10 o'clock in the morning. It's yeah. 10 o'clock in the morning and there's no, no, you know, liquor involved. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, what about you? Michael? Yeah, I agree. Just the, how easy it's been for us anyway. I know it's not been easy, easy, but there's been an ease to it. And for me, it's we've kind of gone around the other way where we've sort of worked from the outside in. I tend to work from the inside out. And so that was kind of on some level challenging for me because I tend to work the other way around. But that's been a wonderful thing. I think it's been a lesson in being malleable and being mm. open to trying things a different way. And I think that's really essential as a performer and as a director and as, a, yeah. as an artist, you know, to go, I'm used to doing things this way and now we're doing them in reverse or we're doing them this way. 
but it's working and don't just go with it. <laughs> just letting go. Bit of mm. lesson, just giving over and letting go a little bit and trusting. And and I think that we were able to do that because of the room that was created and because of the feeling in that room on that first day. And I think having Trent sit with us on that first day yeah. and open his heart and give us permission to just go for it was a gift. Yeah, I think that, that was um, so vital for kind of setting the tone for everything in a way. And I, I, I agree. I think that for me that the big the big surprise was about embracing rather than fighting disruption. Mm. And throughout the entire process, whether that's, you know, the cancellation of the 2020 version or, or the 2020 creative development or whatever, you know, I think, I think, I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, as, as a um as a director, you tend to be some you can sometimes be attempting to control things. Quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I it just yeah, comes yeah, with the territory. Yeah. 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 But I think that that's what's been yeah. interesting is the being able to let go of things that you can't control mm. and actually turning that into a positive. Um, rather than say this thing is too big to do in the first instance before we lose any time, we go actually we're just going we're going to try. And it took me a while to get there. But but in terms of that, but I think yeah, that's been the, that's, that's been what the kind being of creative is. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what is being creative. I'm learning that lesson over and over. I'm Tom and I chat a bit and we're quite similar about how organized and meticulous we are and I couldn't do things the way I normally wanted to do them with this show but there's something great in that and being too rigorous is anti to me in my mind is anti-creativity and so to be in the mess of it yeah has made it great maybe it's just that thing you like you do what you can yeah and just let the thing Come out. It, gives you a, it gives you a license or something like very the various forms of license. Like Trent giving mm. us permission was a license. Um, getting Tim to make work at all. Tim, us, yeah, yeah, Tim, Tim being um, you know, very, very kind of generous about text was a license. So I think there, there's a whole lot of different. I don't know what the what the plural of licenses is, but um, <laughs> a, a different sorts of permission. Yeah. Um, in a way, and even if that was just the permission to perform and get out of lockdown, <gasps> um, I think that that created a kind of spirit of em- embracing opportunity in the room. And it's it's transforming now because the audiences that are coming are a lot more active than your typical theatre audience to the point of actually calling things out in some shows. And well, when Joe brings yeah. up the Parramatta yeah. Hills, we get, you know, a whoop and a cheer <laughs> and everything. And he, he's great. He acknowledges all that stuff, which he, is absolutely essential in, in that role. But um, we had this situation where we, in the Birkbeck scene, they brought up the red telephone and Joe and I are sitting right at the front of the stage and these two audience members just go, uh-oh, really loudly. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's being able to embrace that is the the yeah. next stage of it, the next life of it, I think, because I think audiences that see this are are going to continue to be, you know, in that vein of the spirit of the book where it's like they're, they're an active involved. part of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. know it, yeah. They're dancing with you, aren't they? Yeah, 100%. So far as because they can be ahead of you but behind you and with you. It's not as predictable as a straight new Australian play yeah. where the audience doesn't know how it ends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah? They kind of know, mm. but then they don't know because they yeah, don't they know forget. how you're yeah, doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So you are dancing with this audience. What's that been like? Because you've actually not done it very many times so far. <laughs> You're up to number seven. seven. Yeah. Yeah. Seven, Which seven. is not much, but it's huge. What was it? What's it been like this they week? They are. They are. They've been the missing. The missing yeah, element. They absolutely. are the other character. They are the universe. You know, as much as we are there to reflect, have be the reflection. It goes both ways. You know. Um, it's been magical, oh, actually, yeah. because of the of the level of investment and because of the audible responses we're getting. And even when it's not an audible response, we can feel energy change in the room. It's so great. It's so alive. The whole thing's alive, not just for us on stage. It's such a... And you can feel people are, are excited to be there. You can actually feel, yeah. you know, in a way it's a, a blessing as an actor because you walk on and you've actually already won the audience <laughs> over because they're just, they're just so excited to be like there that. and watch <laughs> it. Well, it feels like that to us. I don't know if it's like Only that. Only because you're doing a good job. Right. It's not <laughs> a given. It's not a given because uh, it's been interesting in the run-up to the play how protective the audience has been of their experience of the book. That's true. Yeah. Real yeah. worry. Yeah. Like open and obviously trust of you, Sam. So that was that's a good thing because you have a relationship with them so they know that you won't mess it up. But even <laughs> so... Suspect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but you know, yeah, they're, they they're protective yeah. of that experience. So you're, it's, they're only with you because step by step in those fir- that first 20 minutes of the play that you earn their trust. Mm. You are taking good care of something that's really precious to them. 
Yeah, it's a beautiful way of putting it, actually. Yeah. That's yeah. all we want to do. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, and that's character by character. It goes back to that first introduction of you at the subscriber briefing. Yeah. I'm playing August. Oh, that's yeah. okay. That's great. And the way, all the way down the line, Sam, I watched, I watched the audience put the little check, yeah. the little tick, <laughs> yeah. next to all of the choices. Mm. Oh, there was that funny thing of, good job. Okay, we are happy with you. That was oh, that, well, that's what I got okay, yeah. on that, at that subscriber briefing. It was yeah. that, that thing of like, we, okay, we're good. <laughs> we're good. And those, I mean, I, we talk about that briefing. Those subscribers who come to that briefing are probably our most invested audience. Yeah. In the yeah, company, in the theatre, yeah. in the book, in the project. They've been hanging on almost as long as, well, yeah. since you announced it. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. They've been part of the disruption, if you like. So mm. they were like, right, we're good to go. So the fact that they gave the tick on that night was kind of the beginning of that trust mm. with audience. Yeah. yeah. And I think, too, there's, there's not underestimating that, that it's only relatively recently that we've been able to have 100% capacity again. And the place is full every day. You know, yeah. it's 800 people a night. It's just that's that's a great gift as well. Yeah. And look, one we're not taking for granted you know, Absolutely. people 50 years yes. from now, as you're yeah. looking back historically, what yeah. was going on, you had a very stressed artistic director here reading the news yeah. every morning and kind of go waiting for the briefing yeah. that says we can stay open again tonight. Oh, we went to 100% capacity the day before we yeah. opened or something. Yeah, yeah. before first preview. Yeah. Down to the wire. You go, okay, <laughs> all right, here we go. so we can do this. <laughs> and it, it, look, it might not play out the way we plan. Exactly, yeah. But the interesting but thing is the hardest thing was to get it to this point. Now it exists. Yeah which means it can exist again. Yeah. You know, there absolutely. are so many there are so many plays that have been planned, programmed that might not make it into existence uh, because the yeah. point of, so I kind of go there's one big thing in my thing where I kind of go no well it, it exists, we know it's good, it will exist again. Mm. Yeah. How we get to that is the other question. <laughs> Indeed. And that's going to be its own complexity, but for the moment we're at 100% yeah. With people wearing masks. Yeah. And, and we're feeling ex- the love. Extra glasses yeah. of the wine mask. so yep. they can take yes. the mask down, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of luck being in, in Brisbane at the moment yeah. as opposed to somewhere else in the country. So Extraordinary. Yeah, it is extraordinary. So, I don't know. I'm thanking the lucky stars that we have and hoping that for just, a, I just need another 30 lucky stars. Just yeah. another 30 I've days. I've got a good feeling. I'll get that. Yeah, I've got a good feeling another 30 too. Days. There's a lot of magic around this show. I've got a good feeling. <laughs> the feeling of people walking out from the auditorium, and you won't get that feeling, but Sam, you know, walking out yeah. with a lot of happy people at the moment, mm. it's an extraordinary thing to do to a city in this time to actually genuinely bring joy in a live space. And you just go, every show is a win. And if it doesn't make it through every show, <laughs> there's a lot, a lot, 800 people a night at the moment really happy at the end of their night. And you just go, it's a reminder to everybody of the power of theatre. That's lovely to and hear. And that we need it. We need and look, if there's one big win of this time, because look, I don't expect this time to be done for another couple of years. Hmm. It's a real reminder to all of us. It's distilled our knowledge that theatre matters so much to, to the community that we have. Yeah. As humans, yeah, we come together to share something. And there are so few things that pull us together. So many things pulling us apart. So few things that genuinely that's pull true. us together. And that's what I'm feeling in the auditorium with Boys Hollows University. How is amazing. A real pull together. Hmm. Yeah. Families coming to a night out. Yeah. Bringing their kids. Yeah. It's almost close to, to, to a, a musical in that way in some ways. In that way, yeah. It's kind of something like a city. I mean, New Yorkers are used to seeing their city represented. They yeah. know they exist yeah. because they're, a story, they're at the centre of so many stories. Feeling Brisbane, hearing themselves named. You yeah. know? Yep. Yeah. All of the names where people go, I live there. <laughs> you know, that spark that happens in the body next to you. Yeah. I've worn that jumpsuit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember that. Oh, yeah. stubbies. They were never a good look. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Story bridge. Yeah. Story bridge. Yeah. Story yeah. bridge. Yeah. Yeah. The gap. The gap. Yeah. Why yeah. would you want to live in the gap? <laughs> and look, I'm not from Brisbane, so all of those words don't mean the same thing to me, but I can sit in the audience and feel them go through the bodies of people. Yeah. But I know where I grew up, there was there was a version of the gap where I grew up. Right. And a version yeah. of, you know, the pool that was closed for renovations and yeah. all that sort of stuff. So for me, the big pool is the time, the yeah. 1980s. You yeah. know, the, the beautiful music that you got. Oh, it's so much yeah. Such a gift yeah. of an era. To it. Yeah. yeah. So much the strange fun. thing that you've, the magic that you've managed to do at this time that pulls us between, I don't know, the memories of Keystone Cops with film performances with the beautiful work of Craig Wilkinson mm, yeah. up on the, the big screen. The Thunderbox scene that I was like, how are they going to do that? Yeah. But yeah. that beautiful use of screen. 
and what it is to build a story with such little detail and such scale. I think throughout tech, I kept saying, this is so cool. All I said was, this is so cool about 500 times. Craig's like, yeah, calm down, woman. I was like, this is amazing. I just kept standing on that stage going, this is so cool. He's created the most exquisite... Sometimes just aesthetically, it's stunning. Yeah, the scale scale, scale at which it plays out is the detail of his understanding, the timings. Yeah. Like, Mm. again, that thing, I did see him on on opening night. I don't think he was really standing up. I think he was leaning (laughs) against things. Given that some of those sequences took like three days to render. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, there's, there's, um, and he has such a compressed amount of time to kind of get them into the. In the theatre, but that, he did a lot of. He and Steve did a lot of work together. In that, some of the the original music was was ready relatively early, so Craig was able to cut to that, and then the movement was was working in with that as well. So yeah, a lot okay. of that stuff was so timing. Yeah, we were able to, pre, yeah, we're could, able to pre-make yeah. some of it. Okay, some of that music's just. The music is so gets me every time. It's at the end, we're all in tears. We're just we're <laughs> and then all Omar Khayyam layered on top of that, and you just go, "I'm a wreck at the end." It's, I'm a wreck at the end. There are only so many times I can see it, which is just as well because it's selling really well, which means that I don't want to be sitting in a seat that I could be selling. Yeah, yeah, that's the producer in me. Um, but I kind of go, "What you're doing as a group of artists for this city, and actually, honestly, for this country at the moment." in getting this to the stage is such a beacon of hope. And for the other companies who are struggling so much to actually, you know, acknowledging that they probably won't get shows on before the end of the year. You know? We've been talking about that a bit We're very behind the scenes and, yeah. and there's a part of us that feels um, guilt. Not guilt, but this kind of survive, survivor's guilt, you know. Turn, turn like, it into just responsibility. Yeah, really. but that's what we've done. We've yeah. turned it into responsibility and we've also gone, us feeling that way about it doesn't serve anyone. anyone. And so in all the conversations we're having with our friends and colleagues who have had shows cancelled, who are no longer able to work, who are, you know, struggling, to be frank, we're just saying we're putting a lot of message out to them that we're carrying them in our hearts and our spirits and we're doing it with them. They want you to cherish the moment more. And we are and we're doing it. We're doing that. Yeah, but, we must. You know, one of those funny things, we will never know what it would have been like to do boy without COVID. Mm. But you're yeah. right, Sam. I, I can't think of a better time to be telling the story or honestly of a, a better team to be telling it. There's some mysterious gathering of people around this that started way back a long time ago with mm. you and Trent and Tim. And do you think we can do this? <laughs> Which was a big question mark. But the fact that you've actually managed to bring it together now at extraordinary cost for everybody personally and all that sort of stuff. I think it's, I can, cannot think of a better story for a time. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, for people 50 years from now, mm-hmm. <laughs> just know that what we did manage to do was kind of e- extraordinarily right in such an extraordinarily wrong time. And Meant to be. Yeah. And yeah. all I can do is thank you as a group of artists for what you've managed to do for this city in this time and cross my fingers that... 27 more audiences get to love it like I do. Can we also thank you for your support yes. and everything yeah. you've done for bringing it um, to the stage because it's been yeah, such, such, a, such a challenging time on so many levels for um, people inside companies. So thank you for sticking with us and, and bringing it to the stage. And we just keep going. (laughs) Keep on keeping on. Cool. That's We're going to bring it to an end there. Thank you for joining us for this talk about the world of Voice Follows Universe. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Michaela. And thank you, of course, Sam. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Quality Time. Please rate and review it and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter at QLD Theatre. You can visit our website, queenslandtheatre.com.au, to sign up to our e-news and learn more about the stories we'll be sharing next. We can't wait to see you at the theatre again soon. Bye.